You know, the Texas heat can get pretty hot, but I think I know something hotter. The Utah Utes, they're 2-0, and we're talking about it on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Use your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcasts. If this is your first time joining our show, make sure you guys like and subscribe. We'd love to interact with you guys in the comments as well as on social media. You can follow our show at Lockdown Use. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. You can make every moment more right now because new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown to get started. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're talking everything Utah's 20 to 13 win over the Baylor Bears. It was a rough offensive performance at the start. They got it done when it mattered most. We're going to talk about that and especially the the special performance by a Utah quarterback, kind of that last drive late. I think it could be the sign of something to come potentially for the future for Utah in general. Of course, we'll talk about the Utah defense, the reason that that Utah was in this game in the end was because of the defensive performance overall. And at the end, unfortunately we will close out with a uh, Mackay Bernard officially being out for the season. But while the defense was the dominant force in this game, I thought, I think the one thing we'll remember about this is the Nate Johnson game in some ways, because I just feel like that last drive was a sign of something to come in, in the future. If, for those of you guys who have been listening to my show for a long time, I talked about how even just last year, I thought Nate was going to be the starting quarterback this year because at the time, of course, we assumed Cam Rising would be leaving because every time he got the ball, he just made special plays. He just seemed to have that it factor. And it was because of that he had those three rushing touchdowns last year and had the one passing touchdown too. I just saw in those brief flashes and moments, I just felt like he had it and thus was going to be the next starting quarterback for this team just because of that special ability he showed. Now, of course, was injured a little bit in spring ball and then you know going into fall camp. Bryson and it sounds like Brandon and Nate, they were all in the thick of the competition. Bryson got the nod over Nate, at least initially as the starter for the first two games, even though they both played a lot of equal snaps. And look, in this game, Bryson really struggled. And I've been a supporter of Bryson the past couple of weeks, too. I've obviously and I'm a big fan of Nate Johnson for all you know that. But I just felt like last week I thought that Bryson showed a lot of really promising things. And I felt like that was the right decision. I agree with the coaches having him be the starter for Baylor, the Baylor game. And it just didn't did not go well for Bryson. He had a rough day. Uh, he was pressured a lot, hit a lot. He doesn't do great once he gets roughed up a little bit. That's what happened in the Penn State game. And it was a good decision by Coach Ludwig to make and Coach Witt. I, it looked like Coach Witt was saying something to Bryson. So he might have had a role in it as well to roll with Nate Johnson for the the rest of the game to close it out for Utah in the fourth quarter. And Nate really rewarded them with that special late drive culminating in the touchdown that allowed Utah to really get back into this game. He had did a great job just dissecting the Baylor defense, helping connecting with Mikey Matthews a lot. We can talk about Mikey Matthews in a second, but just making those winning plays. It was third and I think it was like third and 15 or third and 12 when he connected with Matthews over the middle of the field to move the chains on the first one, hit money parks rolling out to the right. And of course, showing off the elite speed we know he has with that rushing touchdown to Nate Johnson after that performance, powering this Utah team back into this game and helping them get the win. I think he's QB two now. I think it's officially he is the backup quarterback at the moment for we always knew he was the best athlete in the quarterback room. I believe he's the fastest guy on this team that people have said before, but I think in this game, 
we saw that he does have the special arm talent too to be able to make some of those throws on the move to be able to get it done from inside the pocket and of course rolling to the right or just getting out of the pocket throw making throws that he's able to do that so i think nate johnson is officially the the qb2 on this team now and once again, I think he's got a really good shot to be the starter next year. feels like he's passed Bryson, and Bryson's done a lot of really good things for this Utah program. But Nate Johnson, I just feel like because of that special dual threat ability, as I mentioned, and just the poise he showed as a passer in this game, I think he's past that now. And at this moment, should be considered probably the favorite to be Utah's starter next year. Look, Isaac Wilson will have a say in that. Brandon Rose, after spring ball, was ahead of him in the depth chart. So that will be the interesting competition. But Nate Johnson, as it pertains to right now, is QB2 and I was high on Nate going in the last year too. And look, like I said, I thought Bryson would be the guy going forward with Nate sprinkled in, of course, because how their skill sets complement each other. But after that performance, that is, this is Nate Johnson's team until Cam rising gets back from a quarterback standpoint, of course. But uh, thankfully Nate didn't have to do it alone because while Utah was still trying to figure out everything quarterback wise, when it was mostly Bryson with a little bit of Nate sprinkled in through the first three quarters, Jaquin and Jackson was always there. He showed up and showed out 129 rushing yards in this one was robbed of a rushing touchdown late in this game as well. I know that um, Utah was still able to score it in regardless, but I cannot stand that holding call on Mokofisi. He had him inside like this. He's driving him back. And the DB kind of gave up and started to flail his arms a little bit. And they threw the flag. I did not agree. I thought in general, I did not like the flags and I will get to the pass interference call. I promise I'm going to discuss that too, but I really didn't like the holding calls. I felt like there were a lot of them that were weak. Yes. There are certain holding calls. Like when you, you there are ways you can call obvious holding calls, of course. But like I said, I just, I did not feel like Utah's holding calls were obvious. And I just, I didn't agree with them personally, but either way, Jaquindon had a huge game, 129 yards on the ground in this one, did a huge job, great job just churning out yards. He averaged 6.8 yards per carry. Jalen Glover also very good, by the way. He had seven carries for 40 yards. That's 5.7 yards per carry, but Jaquindon especially, just the power, the vision. Um, we saw him break that one big runoff. We know he's a special player. We saw the flashes last year, and he showed why in this game. The Utah offense really struggled to, get the ball through the air for most of the game in general until Nate kind of had that last strong drive and it was really dependent on the ground game and Jaquindon really stepped up and I felt like anytime the offensive line gave him a hole he was able to maximize it and even a couple times when blocks weren't holding up he would turn what for a normal running back would probably be a loss of a yard into like a two-yard gain even because he has that special ability to make guys miss so I was really impressed with what we saw from Jaquindon Jackson who is right now the best overall player. Uh, Satao Laumea at right tackle, even though he got called for a holding penalty in this game too. Satao Laumea is probably the best overall player, but the best skill position player right now on this Utah offense has to be considered Jaquindon Jackson. But got to give a lot of love to Jalen Glover too, as I mentioned. I thought he did a really good job. And I do like that. I like scoring the touchdown there. This is where you can have the analytics debate about what is better. Like if he just downs it there and we wait it out and then kick the field goal. When you have an opportunity to score, I like to score. I trust the Utah defense more than I trust a cold. Be Look, Cole Becker was more than likely going to make the kick, right? Like 99, 95%. He was going to make the kick just like 95%. Utah wasn't going to allow a touchdown late in the game like that. So I just like taking the guaranteed points when it's right in front of you, just because things can happen. You get a blocked kick um, kicks missed in general. I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. I have many bad memories of missed short yard field goals. Like that just happens in game. So when you have an opportunity to score points, you take it. I like that Utah scored with, with Jalen Glover there. And just in general, I thought he had some really nice runs throughout this game too. So, but I, I did think it was the right decision by Jalen to score that, even though he's kind of waiting as long as he could till the bail and the Baylor defensive guy did a good job pushing him in there just to, because Baylor's best chance at winning, of course, was getting the ball back. You could argue in that regard, but like I said, I just don't like turning down points if you're Utah. That's why I'm glad they scored it as well. Um, as it pertains for the offense, last shout-out really want to give 
is uh, Mikey Matthews, just those four catches for 48 yards. And he had three of his four catches on that last drive. Huge plays. I mentioned the third and long. He converted a couple other big grabs he had throughout that drive, too, that helped Utah get in position to allow Nate Johnson to have that uh, rushing score up the gut. So big plays made by Mikey Matthews, who just is so quick and shifty. He does a great job creating separation. That first th- that first uh, catch he had on the third and long, he shook the DB. Like the guy wasn't even there anymore, and he had created great separation and good job by Nate finding and hitting him. And, yeah, Mikey's a special player. You can see why he's getting so many snaps and making such an impact as a true freshman And he's going to be fun to cover for a long time to come because he really shined in this game. And I'm excited to continue to watch him just grow and develop because he's already an elite player and one of the best Utah receivers on this team already, which is really impressive considering he's only a freshman. But yeah, really strong performance late by the offense. But, you know, first three quarters, it was a little ugly. We can talk about that more on tomorrow's show. I'll be doing a film breakdown from this game. So I'll dive into it, talk about the positives and negatives from Utah's offensive performance in this one. But first, we got to talk about the reason the offense was even in a position to win this game late. And that was, of course, the Utah defense holding Baylor to only 13 points. And we are going to discuss that defense in one moment, as well as I will give my thoughts on the controversial pass interference penalty at the end of the game. But first, I got to tell you guys about our great friends at Athletic Brewing. Now time for your game changer of the week brought to you by athletic brewing company, much like let's go with Cole Bishop this week. That's my game changer. You look at the huge tackles he made for loss and the big interception late Cole Bishop is my game changer of the week. I would like to hear who your guys is, is as well dropped in the comments, but athletic brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers. They actually taste really good. The alcohol athletic brewing company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic alcoholic beers that actually taste good their brews are great tasting and award-winning and they beat out full strengthened beers in global competition they brew over 50 style crafts of non-alcoholic beers including ipas golden sours and so much more they're constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles to add to their variety they're fit for all times you can drink them watching the big game going to your kids games as well just even just working out going to work in general athletic brewing co is fit for all occasions and with Athletic Brewing Go, too, there's no hangovers ever. So you can find Athletic Brewing Co.'s non-alcoholic beers at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. Excuse me, athleticbrewing.com. First-time consumers can use code LOCKEDON to get 50% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Also want to tell you guys a little bit about one of our other great sponsors in UCCU. And with UCCU, they got a great thing going on called Learn and Earn, the UCCU mobile banking app that pays your entire family to learn about money. Kids look to parents to become more financially literate. Parents don't always know the answers. Learn and Earn breaks down financial topics into fun, bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia. Every time a family member completes a topic, they can earn points that occur and can be redeemed for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and so much more. There is age-appropriate content for every member of the family who can complete compete against each other and track their progress on leaderboards learn and earn is inside the uccu mobile banking app so play it anytime anywhere the more you play the more you learn and the more you learn the more you earn learn and earn part of uccu's award-winning be money smart youth banking program helping kids teens and parents have fun while becoming more financially literate together uccu love where you bank Alrighty, let's talk about this utah defense what a performance once again yes in the first half they got ran on a little bit 
those third, oh, those third and ten longs, especially. I can only imagine uh, what your guys' reactions were to those. I know uh, mine were pretty frustrated as well. So difficult to see those. Uh, give the Baylor receivers some credit. Made a couple of nice grabs in the first half too overall. But man, this Utah defense was dominant in the second half. They only allowed 117 yards in total in the second half. They allowed just 25 rushing yards. Once again, this is a Baylor team that. On two separate occasions on third and long, which I believe one was third and eight and the other, I think was like third and 12. They ran it and moved the chains. Like literally those two runs alone is good for 20 something yards. And just in general, in the second half, Utah only allowed 25 rushing yards. Really great stuff from the Utah front seven. They only allowed 92 passing yards with 47 of those coming on that big final pass play overall. So and uh, speaking of that big final play, um, yes, really unfortunate by Miles Battle right there. And I need to go back and watch the film. Of course, I'm sure there were maybe a safety could have been over top to knock it away. But it looked like Battle was in a good position to make the stop, but just was one of those things where he just made a poor read on the ball in that situation. That's something I'm not worried about in the future. I think next time going forward, he'll flow back a little bit further and make sure he gets a hand on it. Cause obviously that was nearly a disaster for this team, uh, but they were able to make the stop. And uh, of course, because he did push the Baylor player out of bounds, it did set up the final attempt. Utah sent a blitz and just lofting it up. That time was Sawyer Robertson, who Utah did a very good job picking off twice in this game. And look, there was a controversial non-called pass interference, I guess, when you look at it. And honestly, the way I feel about that is, was it pass interference? It probably was pass interference. If you look at it, he hindered the receipt battle, hindered the receiver from getting the ball. But here's the thing that no call is actually consistent with what, how officials call that at the very end of the game. At any other point in the game, that would have been a pass interference calls. My, my dog Thor says hi to everyone in the background for those of you watching on YouTube. But uh, as I mentioned, Though that pass interference at any other point in the game is probably called, right? His hand was over the receiver's hand. There was a lot of contact there. And any other point in the game, that is called. But as it specifically pertains to this game, I just, and like I said, in the final two, in the way the situation was, last play of the game like that, that is how these situations are called. That's what they do. And every time they let that slide when it's that light of contact in general. So I thought they made the right decision to swallow it because it wasn't egregious enough to me. He didn't grab his jersey and pulled him down. He hindered he hindered it, but I thought it was consistent with what was called what was called. Excuse me. Also, let's not act like just because that would have been a 15-yard penalty, all of a sudden Baylor would have definitely scored, which most people haven't. I've seen that. Most people realize Baylor still deserved to lose the game. And why did Baylor still lose the, deserve to lose the game? Well, once again, because they had such little yardage in the second half. Baylor was 0 for 4 on third downs, and they only ran 22 plays on offense in the second half. And they turned it over twice too. a great job by this Utah secondary. One of them was Zamaya Vaughn who came up with a tough interception. And then of course, Cole Bishop with the big play late. And uh, speaking of Cole Bishop, this is where we can kind of start to talk about the individual performers on this Utah defense. Cole Bishop. I let's see what the stats say again, but he, he ended the game. Cole Bishop did with four tackles, three of them solo, two of those for loss and one interception. Like when I watched this game, I was surprised that Cole Bishop only had four tackles because I could just like, so remember the, each of them so clearly, right? Because two of them were tackles for loss. And then the other one was the huge interception late his impact. He just makes great tackles in space. He does a good job taking things away on the back end, make made the timely interception as we already discussed. So Cole Bishop always does just such a clutch defender for this Utah team always comes up most when they need it. This is a guy who I remember last year at the Florida game, when the defense was really struggling, he was the one who really showed up in that game too. So 
give Cole Bishop a lot of credit for continuing to make big plays. And he arguably is the best player on this Utah defense. When you look at his ability play in and play out what he does as just a run stuffing safety when needed can come down to play in the box or his ability to disrupt passes on the back end to just once again, I think clutch is the best way to describe Cole Bishop because it just makes those timely clutch plays when the Utah defense needs it most. And uh, speaking of some clutch and timely plays as well, another guy you got to give a shout out to on the Utah defense, I thought was Lander Barton. Once again, four tackles, only two of them were solo in the game, but also had a QB hurry, but just made some great plays. I thought in the first half got beat up a couple times on in the running game, but in the second, especially, you could just see him shoot those gaps and just the physicality, broke up a pass to one time, getting his hands up there when blitzing. Lander Barton is just a force to be reckoned with in the front seven and does a great job just making plays with his sideline to sideline speed and the strength as well. It makes it hard for offensive linemen to get a hand on him. And he's not the only one who had a good game. Of course, defensively, Leovani Damuni led the defense in tackles with eight. Sioni Baki, strong as always, eight tackles, seven of those solo two really clutched by him. And overall, the Utah secondary, as I mentioned, they were very good. Yes, Zamaya Vaughn, JT Broughton, I think they both got beat once or twice in this game. And uh, yeah, Miles Battle got beat for the big one. But... With, yes, the Miles Battle one was obviously bad at the very end, but then he made up with it, as we said, maybe the controversial pass interference regardless. But overall, the Utah defense was very good. Yes, you were going, you're just going to give stuff up on offense sometimes, right? Like it's not, they only held them to 117 yards. Like that is one of the best in college football right now. And, but like some people I'm sure are like, oh, are, are, could be like, oh, these corners have played poorly the last couple of weeks. Look at some of the yardages they have given up. But look at some of the big plays some of these other teams in college football are giving up, like consistently. Like Utah will hold a team in check for most of the game. And then every once in a while, they'll give up a big play or something like that will happen. And of course, we'd all love for this Utah defense to be perfect, but that's just not realistic. These corners, this secondary, this defense in general is playing really good right now. The defensive line also really stepped up in the second half, too. Tanu Vasa. Bo two v by by Mahi Junior Tafuna on that first third and thirteen run I remember vividly he got pancaked on that one and then the second half you could just it, just in general throughout the game it was his first game of the season he got more settled in and really stepped up I know Coach Witt said Connor O'Toole is the best pass rusher on this team I, I want to wait and see it to believe it because Jonah Ellis is special I know he didn't get a sack in this game but he continues to get back and just force those quick throws and make things happen. I'm, I'm a big Joan Ellis fan. Thought he played another really good game. Not as dominant as the Florida one, of course, but a, a very solid game by, uh, by Joan Ellis overall. So, yeah, just another great performance by this Utah defense. They helped. They, the offense struggled, and the defense needed to step up. And, yeah, they got gashed on the running game a little bit, but when it mattered most, they stepped up. They were put in a couple of tough situations at different points, and they even got ran on, as we mentioned, gave us some plays. But the second-half adjustment by Morgan Scal, you got to give him a lot of credit, and – Defense showed up and showed out only 117 yards in the second half. Once again, an 0 for four on third down and the huge and the, and the big stop late still game was the game ended up where Utah needed to make a play late. Anyway, they were able to make it flag, no flag either way. Utah was able to make the play and get the win in Waco. And uh, once again, I think this is the last point. I just want to hammer home. It is so hard to win on the road in college football. We just saw Baylor, uh, not Baylor, excuse me. We just saw Oregon, I believe, uh, mess around and then they and they nearly lost to Texas Tech, right? Like there's, I'm sure I could think of other college games in general as well too, like just throughout the week. It is so hard to win on in the road in college football. Utah last year in the Florida game, that was their worst performance in that co- that in the season, honestly, in general. Then you can also look back and look to the game against the, or even the Florida game, right? Like how putrid was the Florida offense in that game? And even their defense in a lot of ways, they really struggled throughout that game. And in that contest, too, that was probably the worst game that we're going to see Florida play all season long in general. Um, so, yeah, like I said, just one of those things you got to give a lot of credit to the Utah defense for really stepping up and uh, and really making some huge stops and just 
huge plays for this team in general. I was very impressed with the performance we see from them. They are a top 10 unit in the country right now. I truly believe that. We know they're going to have a good game against Weber State this week, of course, but got to give a lot of credit to this Utah defense, just the individual players who continue to step up and uh, continue to make things happen. Just really pleased with the growth we've seen from a lot of the returning players. The transfers have fit in really well, too. I know Babel gave up the big play, but overall, I thought he played really well, too. And like I said, helped get the last stop. But yeah, as I mentioned, a great performance by this Utah defense overall. One of the best in the nation currently. But it was another strong performance for Utah defensively and a solid performance by them offensively when they needed it most. And now the Utah football team is 2-0 and and those wins come against Florida and Baylor, two teams that I think if you ask most people that would say are top Florida's probably top seven SEC program. Baylor is a top five, was a top five program, the Big 12. They're obviously not trending in the greatest direction right now, but uh, either way, two really strong wins for Utah to begin the season for them. So, yeah, we'll be breaking down the film on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Utes. But before we do end this episode. I do want to talk about Makai Bernard's injury, unfortunately. But before we do that, um, we are going to talk to you about the great friends at our great friends at FanDuel. You can get ready for the NFL season, which has been here, and it's incredible offers from FanDuel on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all new customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the perfect time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from point spread to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. And also, if you guys are looking for a, for a bet by the time you're listening to this Monday morning, Monday Night Football, Dalton Kincaid. If you think he's going to be in for a big first game, head over to FanDuel and capitalize on it. All righty, to close this one out, got to end with a downer, unfortunately. Um, as Coach Witt did say, Revealed to us uh, in his press conference at the, after the game that Makai Bernard is out for the season. He did not give a reason as to why. I believe I, I tried to look it up and was unsuccessful in finding it, but uh, just a huge blow for this Utah offense. Makai was one of the best players in the first game. He had seven carries for 45 yards in the first game. And, you know, we just, he's such a dynamic player, right? He had 520 yards rushing in back to back seasons for this team. So 21 and 22. And then he's also had over 250 receiving yards in back to back games for them, too. And even just last year, he had 314 receiving yards. And you're also talking about a guy who is the security blanket for this team on third down. He can leak out of the backfield, make plays, even line up a little bit on in the slot and just and make things happen because he's that dynamic of a route runner. And he was by far Utah's best pass protecting block. And there were a couple of times in this game where Utah really could have used that. There were a number of plays where it's like, oh, maybe Mackay could offer them something out of the backfield or just do what he does. But especially I felt like they missed him as a pass blocking back because that's just what he was the best at out of this team by far. And there were a couple of times pressure broke in because of Jaquindon one time in particular, I can remember. And I'll look at it more in the film tomorrow. As I mentioned, just uh, couldn't get the, couldn't get it blocked up front. So either way, this is uh, one of those things where it's just, it's really tough for, for Utah going forward. This is just, it really hurts when you have one of your best players missing. We've talked about it before. Utah is very deep at running back, but Makai's skill set is just hard to replace in general. And this is a huge blow for the Utah offense missing their guy who is their best receiving back, their best pass protecting back. They have depth and they'll be able to eventually figure it out and get by. But this offense is at its best with Makai Bernard involved in it. And it's really unfortunate that, that he's out as well as the guy has just given so much to the Utah program, you know, comes back for another year and, you know, just seemed like he was set up for potentially the best year of his career. Even and I think that was possible after going for those 45 yards in game one and just uh, 
showing some special moments overall. So just really unfortunate what's happened with him. Uh, thoughts and prayers with Makai. Like we said, I don't entirely know what the injury is or what is all exactly going on in there because nothing's been officially reported. Coach Witt never comments on these injuries as usual. But, yeah, just one of those things that uh, it's a really tough blow for the Utah football team and uh, wish Makai a speedy recovery with um, whatever is the injury is that has ruled him out for the for the season in general. But, that is going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Use. We'll be back with you tomorrow, and we are going to be discussing the how Utah did against Baylor, breaking down the film on offense and defense. And that will be on tomorrow's Locked On Use. We'll see you then.